Thank you, Timothy, for reading that long section from 1 Samuel 25. As we begin talking about this chapter, you know, I want to talk about being smart. Because here we see Abigail, the woman who saved, literally saved her husband's neck, so to speak. And as we look at this wise woman, I want to encourage you to think about what it means to be smart. And I'm gonna, I have a little video clip about you know, um, being smart and kind of ignorant statements that have been said through the ages. So if Ken and Nancy would go and turn that on, I'm going to hit these lights. No, Steve's got them. Thank you. Okay, so sometimes we may not be as smart as we think we are, and it's important to listen to others and, and uh, seek wisdom. And so we see this example which Timothy read about just a moment ago, and we, need to, we see that we, we, need to, uh, we need to seek wisdom. This means we must not be rash, we must listen. As we see in this account, we see that David was about to be rash. He wouldn't, but then eventually he did listen. But Nabal, whose very name means fool, that's what his name means, was also being rash. Was also being rash. 
You know, we're in a sermon series of people of the Old Testament, and today we come to Abigail. We've talked about a lot of people. We've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Cain. We've talked about Samuel. We've talked about Saul last week. We've talked about a few other people throughout the Old Testament. And now we come to Abigail. And here's the, uh, the theme. Abigail, the woman who saved her husband's neck, and the application, listen to wise counsel. Listen to wise counsel. So meet David and Nabal and the incident. Timothy already read it, so let's just kind of walk through that a little bit. We see the request comes in verses 2 through 9. In verses 2 through 9, we see the request from David's men to Nabal. Nabal was very rich. How rich? I'm glad you asked. The scriptures tell us 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, which was pretty wealthy during that day. In verse 3, it explains that Abigail was intelligent and beautiful, but he was harsh and evil. So verse 3 introduces us to the great contrast between these two people. Abigail, intelligent, wise, beautiful. Nabal, harsh. And not just harsh, evil. That's a pretty strong statement. He was absolutely evil. Now, but notice right here how highly this talks of Abigail. Abigail means joy to the father. And we know that because Megan and I named our second daughter Abigail. Joy to the father. Nabal means fool. And there'll be a little play on that in a little bit. Nabal was a Calebite, which means he was a descendant of Caleb, which goes back to the days of Joshua, which goes back to um, right before the judges. In verse 4, David heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. David was in the wilderness. We find out later in verse 16 that David's men were protecting Nabal's men. David's men were actually protecting Nabal's men. And this incident takes place in a wilderness where there could be a lot of danger. There could be a lot of danger in that whole area. So it's natural for David and his many mighty men to protect Nabal and his men in the wilderness. In verse 5, it shows that David sent 10 young men. These young men go to Nabal, and they are extremely respectful, yet they are rejected. If you look at what they say to Nabal, if you look at how they introduce themselves, they are being very respectful, and Nabal returns their respect with exactly the opposite. These men are supposed to greet Nabal and, and, and his, which is David's thing. They greet in the name of, of David, and, and the assumption is... They, that he would know who David is. You know, we have to think, would, would he even know who David was? Well, it seems clear that he does know who David was. He did know who David was. But, but, he was also from Saul's hometown. Nabal was from Saul's hometown. So there could have been that friction between David and Saul went right down to David and Nabal. And by the way, one would think and one would be quite clear that the news of David's victories was spreading throughout all of Israel by now. Most people knew by this point who David was. But Nabal from Saul's hometown. The Moody Bible commentary shares uh, his, which is David's men, had protected the shepherds and Nabal's sheep from robbers and wild animals. At this festive moment, David asked for a token of appreciation for his labor. So he sent ten young men, verse 5, to ask Nabal to give them goods that Nabal had on hand. David was not operating a protection racket. That's not what he was doing. Rather, when, when Nabal's men accepted the protection that David had provided, they made him contractually obligated to provide for David and his men. In response, Nabal referred to David as a son of Jesse. And that is the pejorative term Saul used for David. You don't catch that until you actually 
Somebody points it out. Nabal referred to David in the same pejorative term that Saul did. Nabal accused David indirectly of breaking away from Saul, his master. Nabal is extremely disrespectful to David in this account. So, you know, verse 13 begins the retaliation. David becomes angry. David acts, act, acts rashly, and he wants to retaliate against Nabal. He wants to punish Nabal. And if we've studied any, if any of you have, of, Nabal, of David and his battle plans and things like that, Nabal and his family does not stand a chance. They would be slaughtered by David and his mighty men. David tells his men basically to prepare for battle. David will fight with them. They have 400 men to fight, and David's 400 men were mighty men. Actually, they're called that, mighty men later. 200 would stay with the supplies. Again, David does not stand a chance versus these warriors. It was like the Steelers versus the Patriots last week. It was an embarrassment. Anybody who claims to be a Steelers fan, sorry to make that joke. Okay, it's not funny. Move on. Back to the text. Nabal does not stand a chance. And, and by the way, David is acting rash right here. Later on, David grows in wisdom. In the previous chapter, get this, this is very important. In the previous chapter, if you look at chapter 24, David is calm, cool, and collected. In, in 1 Samuel 24, David had every chance to kill Saul, but he didn't. David was calm. He sought wisdom. David was patient. David would say, I'm not going to kill the, Lord, the Lord's anointed. Well, on this day, David was having an off day. David's acting rash right here. David wants vengeance right now. Now, actually, David is acting like Saul. David is now acting like Saul. There currently are similar traits. Right at this point in the passage, there are currently similar traits between Nabal and David. Nabal and David are both not seeking wisdom. They're both acting rash. They're both not thinking about things. Though later, later on, David is wise in that he listens to the wisdom of Abigail. And Nabal does not. Right now, David's being rash. Later, we'll see the change in David. We'll see the change. So we see the wise woman in verses 14 through 35. Nabal's servants tell his wife Abigail about the incident and warn her that David is coming. And she is extremely wise. Abigail is the wisest person in this chapter. Abigail is the wisest person in this chapter. First, we see Abigail's appeal to David in verses 14 through 31. Abigail prepares a large supply of food, and she rides out to meet David, pleading with him not to kill her husband. Apparently, one of the young men who worked with Nabal told Abigail about this. By the way, I already mentioned this. Abigail being the wisest person in this chapter, just continue to take note of that. Also take note that this is one of the many incidences, incidents in which the Bible highlights the wisdom of women. This is one of the many incidents, it's not alone, one of the many incidences in which the Bible highlights the wisdom and knowledge of women. We see that right here. Abigail is in an arranged marriage. That was very common back then, and most of the time, these arranged marriages worked out quite fine. In this particular incident, it seems as though Abigail's parents did not notice some of the major faults of Nabal. They, they overlooked, they did not notice some of the faults of this uh, foolish man who they arranged the marriage to. The young man made it clear to Abigail that David's men were scorned, or David's men were insulted, which would be another word right there. In verse 16, it, it is very interesting. Uh, uh, one of Nabal's servants tells Abigail that David's men were a wall 
to them. He was, that David's men were a wall to them, by day and by night, actually. This means that David's men were protecting them. David's men were protecting them from anyone who might cause harm in the area. They were a wall. They were keeping them safe. Yet Nabal would not pay them. Chuck Swindoll compares this to not tipping your waiter or waitress. We all know, hopefully, that when you go out to eat, it's common to give a good tip to the waiter or waitress. And if you go on Sundays, I hope you give an extra good tip because it's the hardest day for most people who work customer service. We know that that's common to do. Nabal knew that it was customary to pay David for his men protecting them, and he insulted David by not doing that. The man Nabal... Well, verse 17, one of the servants seems to tell Abigail what she should do. The servant recognizes that David and his men will retaliate. The man, Nabal, is funny. Even the servant says this. Even the servant says it. He says, you know, the man Nabal is worthless and apparently not approachable. Not approachable. In verse 18, Abigail gets supplies together. In verse 19, she sends her men ahead, but she follows. Notice how she takes action. Again, she's a wise woman taking action in a wise way. Nabal does not know what she's doing. She met David and his men. In verse 23, Abigail talks with David. Notice the humility. Notice the humility. She sees David and his men coming down the road. She gets off of her donkey and she humbly bows before David. She approaches David in utter great humility. She does not approach David and say, what do you think you're doing? How dare you? She doesn't do any of that. She's not defensive. She's humble. And she goes to David interceding. The Moody Bible Commentary shares that her words in verses 24 through 31 are the longest recorded speech by a woman in the Old Testament. The longest recorded speech by a woman in the Old Testament. Though it does mention we should take note of the song of Deborah and Barak in Judges 5. Um, Abigail explained to David that her husband's name summed up who he was. Nabal means fool. That was his name. And she says, folly is in him. Isn't that kind of humorous there? In verse 24, she asks David to listen. She even takes the blame. She even takes the blame. She says, blame me. Though the blame did not belong with her, Abigail asks him to uh, disregard Nabal. In verse 26, she wants them to kill their enemies and not Nabal. In verses 28 through 31, she requests forgiveness and gives a blessing to David. By the way, I'm not going to read it, um, but she gives an amazing prophetic blessing to David. If you read you know, that and think about it, it's extremely prophetic. The idea that David and his, the, the covenant that God made with David hasn't even been given till, till the next book, 2 Samuel chapter 8. That's not even been given yet. Actually, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And she's recognizing David's borders being expanded. She's given an amazing, awesome, prophetic blessing to David. In verse 32, David responds favorably. The ESV study Bible shares, David, David having calmed down, agrees with Abigail completely. And he thanks the Lord and her. In his restraint about shedding the blood of the fellow Israelites, David shows himself more qualified than Saul to be king. Do you realize that? Saul right now is chasing David all around their country, being very rash. David is now showing restraint not to kill fellow Israelites and showing himself to be wiser and more capable of being the king than Saul. Giving up vengeance meant that David had to break the vow he made in verse 22. Because David had vowed to kill all of them. 
If one vows to sin, however, it is better in the eyes of the Lord to break the vow than to commit the sin vowed, a principle that Jephthah and Herod the Tetrarch should have heeded. Of course, David made a rash oath in the first place, and that was a sin that needed atoned for. In verse 33, David blesses her and is grateful that she kept him from avenging himself. Now, she goes back and she becomes a widowed. She becomes a widowed woman. After a night of heavy drinking, Nabal is told by Abigail about the terrible danger he had been in. He suffers a stroke or a heart attack of some sort. Ten days later, the Lord strikes him and he dies. Following Nabal's death, David asks Abigail to become his wife, and she accepts. I guess he thought she's very wise. Let's take her in to be one of my many wives. David proclaims a praise to the Lord. It is like David is happy that he did not shed the blood, but the Lord vindicated him. In verses 40 through 44, she marries David, and there's an update on his other wives. Now, David had all these wives. He had concubines. He also had Saul's harem. And it's important to make a note about that. So the Apologetics uh, Study Bible shares the following. It says, throughout his lifetime, David acquired at least eight wives and ten concubines. In addition to Saul's harem, the Lord did not approve of this. The Lord did not approve of David's departure from God's plan for marriage. And David's many wives would eventually have destructive consequences when deadly rivalries developed between the women within David's harem. God's ideal plan for people from the beginning was for one man to marry one woman and for the couple to remain in exclusive sexual relationship for as long as both partners were alive. So, listen, sometimes we see these things in the Old Testament, and we need to remember, sometimes we need, see these, and we need to remember that though it's in the Bible, that doesn't mean God approves of this. And God never condoned polygamy throughout the Old Testament. Let's make some applications here before we close this up. We must be willing to listen to the wisdom of others. We must be willing to listen to wisdom. We must not be rash as David was. In 1 Samuel 25, 13, David was rash. As soon as he heard about this, he was ready to go slaughter all of Nabal and his men. We must not be rash. We must listen as David did to Abigail. We see in verse 32 that David listened to Abigail. We must listen to wisdom, but we also be, must be willing to listen to others. We must be willing to help or to act to help others as Abigail did. You know, David is willing to act to help others from the very beginning. This whole account began because David was helping Nabal and his men. David was protecting Nabal and his men. And by the way, don't miss this. Don't miss this. We must have the humility of Abigail. Abigail had great humility. The way she went to save her husband's neck, so to speak. She went to David. She bows down before him. She intercedes for, for, for her husband. She takes action. She gets food and supplies. She did what her husband should have done. I mean, it's almost as if, you know, a couple is out to dinner and the wife realizes the husband didn't leave a tip. And so the wife goes back in and leaves a tip. Although what Abigail did was so much greater and so much more costly and risky in what she did. She was the wisest person in this chapter. And we need to try to emulate her wisdom. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you after reading about, hearing about, studying this account. This account, and we see the great wisdom of this woman in the Old Testament, this great wisdom of Abigail right here.
Lord, may we be like, be like Abigail in great humility. May we seek wisdom, and wisdom ultimately comes from you, Lord. May we seek your wisdom, your wisdom, Lord. May we not be rash as David was right here. May we think things through carefully and clearly. May we act to help others. May we learn from this Old Testament account. Lord, first and foremost, of course, may we make it our desire to follow you, be committed to you, be a servant of you. And Lord, help us with that because we need your help. We can't be like Abigail without your help through the Holy Spirit within us. So help us following you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand for the closing song as they lead this beautiful song, 10,000 Reasons. The altars are always open. If anything is stirring in your heart and you want to come forward for prayer, uh, maybe you want to come forward and you just want to pray alone. You just want to pray by yourself. If you want to pray by yourself, come to the altar on your right side and we won't come up. We'll just let you have some alone time in prayer. If you want to come and pray and you want one of us, myself or one of the church leaders to come and pray with you, Come to the altar on the left side, my right, your left, right here. At this point, I turn it over to Bill, and please close in prayer afterwards.